Hi, I'm Ken Sweeney. This is The Comfortable Spot. Welcome. Today, I'm joined by Justin Middleton. Justin has had a deep love of rugby since his childhood, but unlike many, he chose a different path to playing and moved into the world of commentating. With years of experience commentating on rugby games in South Africa, Justin is now based in Ireland and is a regular voiceover for many national and international games. Since he is such an excellent communicator, I invited Justin not to just talk about rugby, but also to lend his experience in his profession to other aspiring commentators. So I hope you're sitting comfortably and happy to stay with us. Justin, hi, how are you? Thanks for joining me on The Comfortable Spot. Thanks, Ken. It's an absolute privilege to be on your on your pod. Ah, would you stop? That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're just being nice. Um, <laughs> okay, so I've been I've been following you on online, actually, more than anything else. Uh, I'm a big fan of rugby. I've been a big fan of rugby since I was very, very young, much to, to being bullied and chastised in a an area part of Dublin which was all soccer so you know for me it's always been a kind of a hidden sport until we got say to around 2000 when it really really took off here in Ireland we had a very professional setup and we had a very professional team and so on the rest is history but um, I was always interested in following the lower tiers of rugby as in the, the countries that are maybe not so successful and also the club sides that are not so successful so that's how I came across you because I was watching the World Rugby, you know, qualifications for the World Cup and stuff like that. And there was the European uh, championships between the franchise teams that were playing. And I came across your commentary. And I was saying, who's this guy? I've never heard this guy before. And it's you, Justin. So well done. It's super. Thanks. I, pr- I appreciate it. And it must be very exciting doing that sort of work, is it? For a person like you, you're fairly young. So to be able to, like, not necessarily travel around the world. Because modern sports, we don't necessarily need to be there and then. But to be involved in the kind of hype that builds up for all these games... Even though on a, on a much larger professional level, they seem small, but that's irrelevant when you're there, isn't it? Yeah, t- I mean, I mean, totally. It is irrelevant when you're there. Um, I always, you know, it doesn't matter what game I do. Mm. Um, even the, the schoolboy games I've done and the games I've done for Rugby Europe, um, you might have seen a tweet that I've put out in the past and I treat every game as if it's a test match because Super. that's where I want to be. Um, so I know, I know you're probably chat to me about the preparation and and match day and what it's like but the one thing about commentary and the one thing about these sporting events that stands out to me is that when I do go to these games nothing else matters Mm. for 80 minutes and even if there's a crowd of 500 people at the game to me um, it almost feels like it's a packed house. And I think in a sense that's showing a great deal of respect for the people playing the people organizing the games and so on. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. I think they do obviously appreciate it. Um, I think a lot of the times I have come across coaches, particularly at the school level or at AIO mm. level, where they can sense that I'm very enthusiastic, um, and that's not animated at all. It's not. It's not fake. It's just that I'm just doing something that I absolutely love, mm-hmm. and I want to do a professional job. And I want to put the players and the players' families first. Mm. And by that goal, I get myself into that headspace. We are here today. We're recording this face-to-face for the first time in a long time. I haven't done this in a while. But we're recording it on the grounds of Old Wesley, which is a very big amateur team here in Ireland. But I wanted to get to the beginnings. You know, you were originally from South Africa. You're here now in Dublin. And I'm wondering, what was that path? What brought you to Dublin and also what brought you into commentary? Commentary starts basically with my love for for rugby. And Mm. um, my dad used to take me to lots of games. We're talking about 1997, 98, when Western Province in South Africa, or the Stormers, you can call them, um, really had probably one of their best sides. And I fell in love with that team. Um, Players like Bobby Skinstadt, Brandon Pulser, Robbie Fleck, um, and that mixed with the voices to the games. Probably the earliest voice I can remember from a commentating perspective would probably be Hugh Bladen. Mm -hmm. It was just the way he used to say 
players' names. Um, and a lot of commentators will tell you it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm-hmm. And there was just something about the way he would say players' names when they'd score tries. Right. Like, and you could just tell like some of the players he absolutely loved. And sometimes maybe he wasn't that objective, but there was just something about the way he used to say players' names. Van der Vestes and Van der, Van der Vestes. <laughs> and it's, I'm doing a poor mimic. I can't really mimic other commentators. But I think that's what really, you know, made me fall in love with the game. And then uh, obviously you would have seen I was chatting to somebody earlier on the week, Jeff, from Hopping on Rugby. And last night I... I read through a few more emails that I sent other commentators about when I was going to try start commentary. Mm-hmm. And then last night I started thinking about like some of the iconic commentaries that I've heard. Well, iconic to me at least. Mm. And I look back at the 1999 Rugby World Cup when France played New Zealand in the quarterfinals and France won. And John Taylor was the commentator and I've mm-hmm. probably watched those highlights probably about 150 times <laughs> and then also the 2003 rugby world cup when wales played new zealand and they had that remarkable comeback they mm-hmm. lost gordon bray was the commentator gordon bray is probably one of the reasons why shane williams is my greatest rugby player of all time mm-hmm. my favorite and ironically he's only actually scored one try against new zealand but <laughs> i've watched that try probably 150 times right. and Maybe I didn't know it then, but I always try to learn the commentating of the tries off by heart as a, as a young boy. Um, in a similar way, I would learn my favorite song, um, but I was never never going to be a singer. I just don't have the voice to be a singer. But um, there was just something about that and be ridiculous. Up until 22, 23, I would learn just, yeah, because I've just watched, watched these tries all the yeah. time. <laughs> Um, and, and I still do. I still try to like, learn. You know, I might recite someone's try, but not, not as often as what I used to. And through school, my subjects were economics, accounting. I mm-hmm. ended up going that route because that's the safe route. I'm still in that very much. That's very much part of my life. And I kept thinking, you know, we fast forward 15 years from that 2003 World Cup or whatever going into university. And I just thought, you know, there's something more to me. Um, there's something more than something that everyone else does. You know, you get a billion accountants on the planet, you get a billion people in tax, you get a sure. billion engineers. Um, but there's something more. There's something more about me, and I want to find what this thing is. I want to do something. You know, one day I'll look back when I'm having when I'm 85 on my yeah. rocking chair, and I achieve something that not many people can do. Mm-hmm. You can't just train for it like it's a cycling event. You can't just do a degree and then get given this opportunity. This yeah. is, you might, at a World Cup final, maybe there'll be 10 commentators from around the world there. But that's still one from each country. So sure. so anyways, with all this, I thought thought to myself, you know, I really probably want to try start commentary. This was now already in, in 2016, early 2016, driving to work because all my friends kind of knew that you know i kind of wanted to get into commentary yeah because even i used to play like a lot of touch rugby um back in south africa and i used to just say stupid things on the field um <laughs> like almost like commentating we on the game that, yeah. you know <laughs> except when i was getting the ball i wasn't commentating on myself but Oh, um, you must have been terrible in opposition. <laughs> absolutely Lots terrible. Lots of lads wanted to throw a few punches that way. Yeah, I just, I, shut I used up. To, <laughs> and I used to come up with a lot of nicknames for people. And that, that's, so it was all like very like yeah. stupid. But I remember in 20, early 2016, January 2016, I was driving to work, the regular commute um, into Cape Town City Centre. It's about a 20-minute, 25-minute drive if you're lucky every morning. And I'll put his name out there now. Ryan O'Connor was the dj at the time for kfm mm-hmm. and the wellington sevens in new zealand just just had taken place and he said yeah oh, it's great the blitzbocker have won another trophy but where are south african commentators on the world stage mm-hmm. and then at that point in time i realized that that was a sign this is a calling this is a calling for me to start my journey and then i just thought to myself you know how do I start this? And it was bugging me, bugging me, bugging me about how I would start commentary. And I think probably a day or so later, 
I came to the realization that maybe it's a good idea to reach out to Sky Sports New Zealand, as mm-hmm. ridiculous as it sounds because I'm in South Africa, because um, I want to get my um, favorite commentator at the time's advice. And it took me a while to get through to Sky Sports New Zealand, understandably, because they probably get a thousand requests or whatever it is. Eventually got hold of Tony's email took a while for him to respond. He eventually did respond. Only followed up twice and he responded. Sorry, Tony who was it? Tony Johnson. Tony Johnson. Um, he used to do super super rugby, did he? He does. Yeah, yep. he still does a lot yep. of super rugby. Yep. Um, he actually was when Ireland beat the All Blacks in 2021, if I'm getting this mm-hmm. correct, when James Lowe scored. And I think Ronan Keller also scored in that game. Um, he, I think, I don't know if he did it in studio in New Zealand, but he sure. actually did the New Zealand coverage commentary gotcha, for gotcha. that game. Yeah. But anyways, I, I was very lucky with his response. And I see this and I, and I start to appreciate advice like this. I did appreciate it back then, but I appreciate it even more now because he didn't put any barriers in his, in his advice to me. He just answered my question. I asked him, how do I start this? This is my dream. I want to do this. Is there any hope for me? Right. He didn't put any barriers. He did explain that it's difficult, but he wasn't saying things like, you have to be a sports person. You can't make a living out of this. There was no real barriers. He was just sure. like, this is what you got to do, Justin. Try practice in front of the television. Write it out in formation. He actually showed me the formation, okay. which actually my formation has not changed. It okay. takes the Tony jo- this is seven years ago. I've kept his same yeah. formation, his same um, advice, if you can call it. And yeah, he, he basically said to me that I've got to start practicing behind the television. Mm-hmm. And once I get a little bit of confidence, start approaching maybe clubs or schools, maybe a radio that are covering minor games. And then, you know, I got this advice. And the most important thing at the end of the email, he said, follow your dreams. Very That's important. Nice That's yeah. what he said at the end of the email. Mm-hmm. So after that, I was like, ah, but this is quite difficult, you know, like how do I actually put this into practice? And then it was just that a friend's bri about two or three weeks later after I had three or four beers, I told him about this email and he was like, mate, like this is gold. Because he he also knows Tony Johnson, not personally, but Mm -hmm. through commentary. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you've got advice here, just give it a shot. Then I was like, okay, because that was on a Saturday. Then on the Monday, I was like, I am going to do my first live commentary. It was the Queensland Reds versus the Hurricanes on the Saturday. I was going to pretend that this was going to be for Super Sport. I'm going to prepare Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, write out the formations of the teams, go do all the ESPN research. And off I went. And the way I would do that was I would have my cell phone and I would commentate my voice into my cell phone. Next day, I would download the clips put my voice on top of the on top of the clip, which is a very, very difficult thing to do. Yeah. Because the live feed and everything trying to get yeah. it pinpoint is very difficult. But anyways, I did that for twenty five games. So you're effectively creating a demo uh, like as if somebody was writing a song and putting it into a demo so that you could present it to other people. Pretty pretty much. Like yeah. I'll go as far as saying I probably didn't have to do it for twenty five games. Like a show reel really. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. But th- there's difficulties with it because you know, one or two uh, uh, aspiring commentators have asked me for advice and, and I've said maybe it makes sense to maybe do that for two or three games, but there's a lot more now that you can do. There's a oh, lot yeah. more live stuff and yeah. you can get, you can live games and getting an opportunity live is it's easier than yeah. what it was maybe yeah. seven or eight years ago. Yeah. But anyways, what I can say about those 25 games is that I learned an awful lot of discipline. I learned how to do my research. Mm-hmm. I knew that like I was building almost the kind of blueprint for how I would go about other games. Mm-hmm. And I still use the exact same blueprint. Still start my preparation on a Monday night, maybe a Sunday night, depending on how many games. So what, what eventually happened was I did that for 25 games, April 2016, all the way up to about February 2017. I actually did one Six Nations game. It's bizarre when, you, when, when I think about it now. I think I did uh, Wales versus no one was listening, obviously, because it was my own demo. Wales, England at the Principality Stadium, Elliot Daly scoring like a 40 meter try. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also doing, I also did another Six Nations game. It's ridiculous to say it, but Wales, Italy. And then I started to appreciate, geez, like it's very difficult to pronounce like Italian players' names. Like, Fast. how am I going to do this one day? <laughs> like, I need to, because yeah. I'm making all these mistakes, you know, yeah. but like no one's listening. And then eventually, after 25 games, I'm like, okay, cool. I think I've shown enough enthusiasm to maybe 
get an opportunity somewhere. So then early, so no, so that would have been February 2017. Then I was like, I've got to reach out to somebody in South Africa. So I reached out to the main lead super sport commentator in South Africa for rugby, who's Matt Pierce. Mm-hmm. He's still South Africa's best rugby commentator. And you could possibly argue that he's probably their best rugby commentator of all time because of the amount of tests he's done. Mm-hmm. He's only just reached 50, probably will commentate for another 20 years, 25 years. He uh, agreed to meet me for coffee and I took my demo along with him. He was he was very realistic and no barrier. He didn't bring up any barriers to me as such. He just said, Justin, one thing that you've got to do is by all means go after the stream, but you have to keep your real job alive and you have to progress yeah. with your real bread and butter job. Very, very important advice that he gave me. And he just said, look, yeah, I'll take your demo. I know of this company that's just started in South Africa that streams school sports and let me take your demo. I'll have a listen and I will then recommend you based on your demo. And this is, you're talking about these are the early, early days. There could have been a commentator who didn't care. Mm -hmm. Tony Johnson couldn't have cared. Mm -hmm. He could have put more barriers into my mind. Yes, Matt was a realist because at that stage, I was like, I just want to be a full-time commentator. Maybe if you were with Sky Sports one day doing Premier League, that's possible, but this is rugby. Matt was a realist, but at the same time, he could feel my passion and he could feel that I wanted to do this. And he put my name forward. And about two weeks later, he gave me, the, he gave me a call at work and he said, Justin, it's a green light from School Sport Live. They want you to come and do some stuff at the Paul Gymnasium Festival in, um, in the Western Cape in, in South Africa. And um, for that I'm, I'm extremely thankful to him because he could have chosen not to do that because I didn't even know about School Sport Live mm-hmm. um, at the time. And he was kind enough to put me forward. A lot of people wouldn't have done that. You know, they would have just said, keep working or they would have found another email to say something else. Or they would put, a, put some other barrier. There's no point. You've got a 1% chance of making it, which is true, but 1% is still enough if you're going to work 500%. So I don't know if you want to, but in and ask me another question, but I can carry on to my first. I tell you what, I am curious about actually. Yeah. 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 I, so you got this gig, right? Basically. Yeah. And you're there, and it's the day. What was going through your mind? Like this is, I know it's only in comparison, right? Say to even the streams that you're getting now. It was mm. probably a small audience, or maybe it was bigger. But you still had this thought in your head: I am going to start talking for you know eighty minutes and a little bit more or less in front of lots of people. How did that go through your mind? Because previous to that, it's not like you'd done the local rugby match down in, down in the local town or something like that over a loudspeaker. Mm, you know, mm. because a lot of people sometimes start that way. I know previously, some people that I would have known who were commentators, particularly motor racing, they would have spent their time on the track with a loudspeaker talking to the people who were at the actual event. And that gave them, you know, a lot of experience. But you didn't have that. So you were straight in having just recorded yourself. So what was going through your mind that day in particular? I was, Were you I was, nervous? I was extremely nervous. Um, and Matt, Matt Pierce did tell me that he appreciates that I've done all this practice and I've done all these things with on, on, on demos. But the whole thing was with that, like those 25 games that I did, like I knew most of the players, um, I could identify the players. And going into that live situation was an, an under-16 festival, no numbers, some some of the teams might have had numbers, but I couldn't identify any of the players. And Matt Matt actually told me because I asked him for advice before. I was like, "How do you go about something like this? How do you commentate on school under sixteen school rugby?" And he's like, "Yeah, you just got to speak about tactics. It's more about the conversation." I was like, "But I just want to be a proper commentator, man. I want to like know who these players yeah, you're are. You're not a pundit. I'm not a pundit. Yeah. Like, and he's like, you can't roll call. And I'm like, but that's what I want to do. I want to roll call. Mm-hmm. I want to say who's got the ball." Right. So anyways, I had the team sheets, but thrown into the moment for School Sport Live. And believe it or not, like it was Afis versus, so Afis is an Afrikaans side from up north in South Africa versus Burlan Lanpo, which is out of the Western Cape. Gotcha. And you'll be surprised the amount of people watching that live. Unbelievable, actually. There are probably about two or 300 people. The equivalent game now would maybe get 800. Thrown into the deep end, 
immediately I'm out of my comfort zone because I don't know these players. Those 25 games don't even matter. And I thought to myself, what have I got myself into here? It was almost as if I was commentating on touch rugby in the park at school yeah. with no numbers of players. like Because people can put comments on, right, on the live feed, on the mm-hmm. YouTube live feed. There was, there was no critical comments on me, but I could see comments going off. And I'm like, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? But it was bizarre because I did actually did two games in a row, right? And I, I'm probably being so critical of myself. If I go back and listen to it, I probably wasn't as bad as what I thought I was because there would have been bad comments and that. But when I drove home, so Paul is about an hour outside Cape Town, 45 minutes. And I just thought to myself, that's one of the best things I've ever done. Okay, so you said, and to hell with it, whatever happens, I actually enjoyed it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And that's where, you know, like I started and I haven't looked back. Uh-huh. It was quite funny because by the time the Wednesday, because it was a festival, there was a super sport commentator competition where I actually had to cancel my game because I told the people I have to go to this because that's a whole nother half an hour's mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. Very interesting conversation maybe if at the end you might, might want to speak about it if we have time but i'm gonna leave that i'm gonna leave that for now so let me just grab you there for a second and say you've done this school sports and it's you're on the ladder your ladder is bringing you up through the various levels that you've been commentating so i want to talk now about me catching you and when i heard you commentating and i know we've, we've you've discussed this i've heard it being discussed before and of course you have a very distinctive voice it's not the usual type of commentary we, we would get when we watch European rugby. So with European rugby, there's either a Welsh guy or an Irish guy. And then the odd spattering of an English lad doing a bit of commentary. Mm. But I think they pick Irish people because we have a slightly softer tone to our voices. We do speak fast, but not too fast. And then Welsh have a really nice lyrical voice as well. So naturally, when we came across, when I came across you commentating, I, I actually kind of got used to it very quickly. I, I didn't see it as, as a... a, a, a kind of a foreign accent maybe that's because i'm from probably well familiar with rugby so i'm familiar with the south african accent but i know you 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 thought sometimes before that your accent could be a problem for you and i'm just wondering now and you've got i'm sure you've had loads of feedback do you think your accent is an issue i think this might set the story straight if i had the opportunity and change my accent i wouldn't and just going through the challenges in in terms of wanting to be a com- commentator from not being in a radio background or yeah. an entertainment background. Mm-hmm. In South Africa, there was a lot of barriers that were put in my direction. And the same, obviously, to an extent in Ireland. So even if I had a, a, a proper accent, even if I had a BBC accent in South Africa, even people in South Africa was, were telling me that my, my accent is too Western KP. It's too Capetonian. Okay. So no matter where you are, your <laughs> accent is actually going to yeah. be a problem. Yeah. If you have a classic Dublin accent, people in Munster... Oh, they are, hate are, that. Are, you <laughs> see, yeah. so like... Yeah. But what I will say is, okay, so if I can just summarize that story. So in South Africa, I took my craft extremely seriously. And for three years, you can call it, I became School Sports Live's um, main yeah. rugby commentator. Yeah. Um, and I did about a hundred games, and I was go- I was going places slowly but surely. I was going to break into SuperSport. SuperSport actually eventually bought School Sports Live, so you would like to think that I probably would have been on SuperSport eventually. Um, that was in twenty twenty one when that acquisition happened. But um, so I did those hundred games, and School Sport Live were getting like quite big games. They were getting like SA under twenties and stuff, and I was starting mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like Argentina under 20, Georgian under 20, absolutely loving it, talking mm-hmm. to people from various different places around the world, going to Argentine practices when they're there in Stellenbosch, Super. meeting like the the media management, getting voice notes, the pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Like, I really thought like I was growing my portfolio. I was, I was getting quite a lot of, um, I know it's not about the followers and stuff, but you know, when you start something, you want something tangible to feel like you're moving sure. in the correct direction. So I was building up like quite a lot of fans and and that type of thing. I was getting the main games that School Sport Live had. But even from around 2016, I've always known that at some stage I probably should go abroad. I have the opportunity through my work because I work, worked at a multinational company, opportunities there. Um, my wife or my fiance, or you can call it girlfriend at the time, 
we always thought that it would be a good idea. But like it was always kind of on hold, on hold, on hold, on hold because I love my commentary so much. Okay. So, so much. So it had that control over you even at that It had that early control point. over me and it's right, not the bread right. and butter because yeah. you don't earn yeah. enough from it. Yeah. Especially back then, I didn't earn mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. for it to warrant me to say no to to make a commitment abroad exactly especially with family and in south africa and you know with the uncertainty of where south africa is going and in eventually in in 2019 it for me was getting to a point where i'm 28 29 it's now or never yeah and i knew that it was going to be a massive threat to my career And already, when I started looking for jobs overseas, I was ready. This is June 2019. Even before I know I'm going to Ireland, I'm already starting to talk about commentary to people in England, Ireland, because I don't want to let go of the street. Exactly. And this is where I'm so thankful for the early advice I got, because by and large, I did receive kind of mixed advice from people this side of the world. And some of the advice would be, it was always my accent. Tone down your accent. Or, yeah, tone down my accent. Yeah. Arguably, maybe over three years, naturally, it's toned down a, like, a yeah. little bit. Yeah. You guys won't notice it, but maybe if you go yeah. and oh, take absolutely. my yeah. commentary if you go back compared, home, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Even, even that, if you're in South Africa and yeah. you've sat in South Africa your whole life, and you, yeah. if you take your voice now from 2020 and you compare it to 2016, you might even find a little differences. Oh, Definitely. Exactly. So yeah. I'm not saying like I put an but, effort but to tone you, you down. Know, it's, it's, a it's a similar thing in podcasting, I suppose. You listen back to your own podcast and you go, God, I need to slow down or I need to accent my words a bit more stronger yeah. or stop slurring, all that kind of thing. And you're naturally doing that because you're developing your skill. But with your skill being developed, you're losing in certain traits of your accent. Exactly. We've only got so much time to talk about mm. this podcast, and I think we've gone down an, an interesting path rather than talking directly about rugby. We can always maybe. do round two. Yeah, so you know it's But... What I'm trying to figure out is that, like, I think it's really important that we have people like you doing this because what it does is it's a positive aspect of globalization. And the problem with media in particular in Europe and probably not so much main, mainland Europe, but with Ireland and England is that generally it's kind of like, you know, the people who are there is the people who are there. You know, they're, they're like, you know, there's no real opportunity for people like yourself to come in and bring in new styles. So we're getting slammed doors here. There's a, there's, a, there's a style that you have that works hand in hand with your accent that is very unique. And I think it's important that more sports maybe embrace that because it's showing that the sport is a global sport. Because sometimes people can look at rugby and say, ah, there's only six nations really involved. But not only are you bringing in a different style, you know, with your own accent, you're also, at the same time, you're, you're commentating for the lower tiers in rugby. You've recently just commentated on... Georgia versus Germany. Now, I mean, most people, even who the, you know, the basic rugby fan would not either be concerned about that or not even know that Germany plays rugby. So I think, you know, what you're doing is, is, is really positive for the sport, but it's also positive for sports in general. And I think maybe radio stations and TV companies should look at this aspect and say, well, we need to have something that's slightly different. Yeah, what I will say is, is that people on the ground, particularly at AIO level, the fans, the coaches that I've interacted with, interacted with they've always had positive stuff said positive things about my accent Mm -hmm. and they would make jokes that you know one day i'll be on rte i'll be on premiere like little little jokes like that i remember it so june 2019 june july 2019 somebody said to me abroad they said the only way you're going to break into tv year is if you first get on super sport into south africa right. on tv yeah that's the only way you're going to make it yeah right well maybe he wasn't quite as decisive as that he said more than likely he's basically saying more than likely you aren't going to make it on yeah. tv yeah another person in south africa who advises commentators said to me and this is why some advice you've just got to throw it away because mm-hmm. it can really damage yeah where you you're need going because you can you can take that advice yeah yeah so one one of the broadcasting advisors and i actually want to send him my rugby europe stuff and say look what i've done (laughs) he said to me that i should adopt the irish accent learn the irish accent and that's then you might have a chance and i I thought to myself are you are you actually kidding me and and the reason why like you know what's also so difficult about that i knew it was incorrect advice at the time 
but that guy's been advising people for 50 or 60 years. Yeah, the damage. So you're like, but they must be, like, he must be right, you know? And I actually checked with a few other people around yeah. the world, and they were like, yeah, that's not, not good advice at no, all. No, I don't think that, so, that works at all. You so know, it's, it's, a very, a, it's a very difficult accident yeah. to even manage to try and yeah. do that anyway. Yeah, and I think, I think also just a message to, it could be commentators, it could be producers, it could be people high up. Is even that podcasters. If a person is showing true enthusiasm and there's a little bit of talent there, don't be negative about it. Yeah, I agree. Don't 100%. don't don't try like there's always barriers, right? No matter if you want to be a CEO of a company, mm-hmm. there's only one CEO, right? So yeah. you're gonna have to beat a whole lot of other people. Like anything in life that's worth chasing, like it's gonna be difficult. Yeah. And you can put barriers to to everything. You can put barriers to getting a degree, to getting an honors. Yes, maybe commentary arguably it's more difficult because you can't just write an exam, pass it, get it. But mm-hmm. You know, if you do engineering, if you do accounting, like it's still super, super difficult. You have to show great discipline. And if somebody said to you, oh, it's not worth the effort, you could still fail anyway, you know? So, yeah, but I you have to have talent is, as well, which is you, really you important do, too. You do have to have talent. Yeah. But I think just my message here is that, and, and I hope one day I, I don't change, is that if, when somebody comes and asks for help, or asks for advice, and they're showing enthusiasm. Don't shut the door, it, especially if you don't really know about their background. Be mm-hmm. positive. It's it's it, it's fine to um, be a realist like Matt was, right? But he wasn't negative. He set out a path for you. Yeah. But if you're putting barriers down saying, you're probably not going to make it because of your accent. Like, I could have been like, oh, there's no point. I could have yeah. had a conversation with my wife and she's sure. like, Justin, just leave it. Rather focus on starting a business on the side yeah. or something else. But luckily, I'd been doing commentary for three years to be like, that's nonsense. Leave that at the door. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think, it, I think as you said, the idea of trying to adopt a foreign accent is it's impossible, really. So yeah. the, the best actors with the best training still don't do it. So, you know, everyday Joes like you and me are not going to pull it off unless <laughs> yeah. just by sheer luck, yeah. we have some sort of talent to doing that. But I mean, you, you, there's also an element, as I said, of talent to actually do it in the first place. I mean, and then adding on to that by trying to change your accents, it's not going to help. You're going to sound terrible. Yeah. And, so, also, and also, like, the whole thing is, if you just go back to why I started commentary, I mm. wanted to find something unique about myself, right? Definitely. Something that makes me special. Changing my accent is changing who I am. Unless it naturally kind of happens, it'll naturally tone down, that's fine. True. But to go and make a concert, this, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to win a Grammy here, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> But you wouldn't mind winning something. In doing it. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. I don't think I would have gotten in touch with you had it not really been for your accent. Because you, st- like I watched a good few matches that were broadcast live by World Rugby, sorry, European Rugby, you know, and there are different commentators, there are different pundits. And sometimes they're limited with the technology they can do. So not always, it's not always a great presentation, but you kind of take that into account because this is not a professional setup with millions and millions of euros behind it. But when you came on, you stood out mile. And then also your presentation skills was very, very good. Like there was no kind of screaming into the microphone or getting away like that. You know, it's not, it was top tier stuff, you know, and I thought, said to myself, you know, you reminded me when I used to watch the Super 14 and they had the South African games on and I can't, I'm sure you'd be able to tell me who the commentator was at the time. It was like, you know, 10 years ago or so. And could have been New Blood and could have been Matt Pierce, yeah, probably one of them. South African lads. And they had that very drawn out voice and I used to love that when I was watching it. <laughs> because it was very different. We're very much, you say to Australian, the accents here in Ireland because we have soap operas here in, Aust- in Ireland that are very popular from Australia and they have been for the last 30 years. So we're used to the Australian accent. And also Irish people tend to migrate a lot to Australia and New Zealand. But when it comes to South African accent, I still think it's a little bit unique. It's different to the ear. Not many people hear it. I would agree with you because also just from living in Ireland, also because I'm, I'm not an Afrikaans South African, I'm an English South African. Right. So I don't have the Afrikaans accent as mm-hmm. such. But a lot of the times when people meet me for the first time or they hear my voice in the shop, they're like, are you from New Zealand? Are you from Australia? Really? <laughs> because weird. they can't quite. And this yeah. this even goes back to 10 years ago because I actually, no, not 10 years ago, 15 years ago when I went on Gap here, I spent some time in the Isle of Wight. So we mm. behind a bar for a year. And even back then, they're like, are you from Australia? <laughs> I wouldn't say you got much of that in Ireland. People no, I would say about probably... Five out of ten would mm. probably get my accent bang on. Mm. But yeah, yeah. But so that's why maybe it's also a unique thing. It's because you can't really pinpoint where right. it's from. So thinking about your accent and then thinking about your preparation, because we're running out of time here, but I think we've gone down a good path. I want to know how it works for you on the day. So let's just say we had the Georgia game last week. 
So what was your preparation that day? Because by you telling me what that is, I think you're helping a lot of people to understand the amount of work that goes into it. So maybe you can start with your morning start that morning. Now, it doesn't matter whether, you, let's put things into perspective here. It doesn't matter whether you're there at the stadium or whether mm. you're not. Your day starts, I'm quite sure, quite okay. early. Yeah. So how did that work for you? Well, I think you can't really look to the morning of the game. You have to we, go back for it. You have to go back. You have to go back to probably Monday, right. right? So I didn't know it at the time when I started commentary, but I know what my goal is now for every single commentary I do. And my goal is to be immediate, accurate, and objective. And the only way you can do that is preparation, pronunciation, identification. In my opinion, if you don't prepare, don't learn to pronunciate the surnames correctly in the native tongue. That's an extreme, but that's one of my goals. And if you can't identify each and every player without looking at a number, there's an argument that you should not be commentating. So I have these, you can call it, okay? Immediate, so accurate, immediate objective. So you can call it AIO, that's my mm -hmm. goal, right? And to do that, I have to do PPI, prepare, pronunciate, identification. And um, just on that, my, my, also my goal is to put the players and the families first. Mm -hmm. And the most, in my view, the only thing this goes from school rugby all the way to the top. The players and the family want you to say, is when the player gets the, the name, ball, they right? want you to say the name correctly. Exactly, 100%. Because that is the sweetest. Mm -hmm. If you can say a person's name correctly, yeah. it's the sweetest sound they'll it's ever a big, hear. It's a big, uh, it's a big, so that it's is my, total respect. Yeah, that is my yeah. non-negotiable. And so preparation, pronunciation, identification starts on Monday because I've got a day job, right? So I can't just cram this in in eight hours, 10 hours the day before. Starts on Monday. First rule, contact management of both teams. Because I know that I have to get a voice note from each management, even if it's an, even if it's an English team, reading out players one to 23, right? Need to get that. I'm already on Monday planting the seed. Please, can I get your team? It's confidential. It's safe with me. Hopefully, I can get that two days before kickoff. Also, if you can, in that voice note, just give a little bit of information on each player. But I construct it in such a way that it's going to take five minutes of their time. Right. That's what I learned back in South Africa. Because mm -hmm. in the early days, I made a mistake. I was asking for too much information, gotcha. right? Too yeah. much, too much. Because you were unsure what was important probably yeah, I wasn't sure. I didn't, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I just yeah. wanted all these things, right? Now but you're following a pattern. Yeah. But yeah. the most important thing is getting the team, yeah. being able to pronounce the players, right? Monday, Tuesday is all about preparation in terms of stats about the fixture. Why is the fixture important? Mm -hmm. What does this mean? Is it mean? a playoff? Is what it a qualification mean? relegation? And that's and, and the, the irony with that is those first two days of prep, I don't even use that prep. But what it does do, especially because I'm a foreigner, right? It makes me almost appreciate why this game is important. It gets you excited. And through that, yeah. my commentary style changes. Absolutely. The way yeah. I say words yeah. change. Yeah. So yes, I don't use all that information, but it gets me going. It gets me like for AIL um, weekends on the Monday, like I'm already like, geez, like uh, over the last 40 occasions, the Anzan of 120, Klontoff of 120, the average mm -hmm. score is this, the average score is this. These, this is the history of Lansdowne. These are the players who have played for Lansdowne. These are the players that have played for Klontov. This is why people watch this. I mean, I can see you now. You're getting elevated as you're and doing I that. Get, I get it. <laughs> and and the, the, the crazy thing is, like, I, I put those pictures on my notes, but that is all for, it's a mood enhancer, mm -hmm, actually, more mm -hmm. than anything. It, it revs me up. It pumps me up. And it, 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 it puts me almost in a good mood every day. I can, mm. I, it, it makes me in a better mood at work, everything in my day job. And of course, even your I'm voice so changes. Excited. Like yeah. you, you can hear that your voice is changing as you're doing it. You've yeah. gone up a slight octave. And it's perfect for yeah. sports. And, and I can't control it <laughs> yeah. because that's the thing. Whenever somebody asks me about commentary when we aren't at a restaurant and my wife's just like, calm down. <laughs> calm, but I can't, I can't help it. It's yeah. just a natural thing and I, yeah. I get super excited. So Monday and Tuesday for me is all about getting, it's not player stats, it's team stats, it's mm -hmm. team history. Um, I'll also write out, yes, to an extent it is player stats as well because I'll go and write down every single result for the season and who scored the tries, right? 
Wednesday and Thursday is player identification. Massively, massively, massively important. Mm -hmm. My goal, right, through doing that is I'll watch previous footage. I need to be on that Saturday morning. I need to go down to that game and be able to tell exactly who each player is without looking at a number. Because the moment that player gets the ball, I want to be bang. Yeah. If you're a commentator, you should never say I think. You should not be saying if you say I think. So I don't want to be thinking. I try to identify each player. And that actually started in my school days in South Africa because Mm -hmm. there was a team, Bishops, that played with no numbers. I absolutely loved it. I loved it. So I'd watched watched their previous games. I'd go to the practice two days before the game Mm -hmm. and I'd say to the coach, can, just at the end of the practice, can they all stand like this? And can I go through each player and point them out? <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I got two guys mixed up. Which, you know what the joke is? Yeah. is? Everyone mixes them up and there's a whole joke that they look the same. But that's where it started from bishops. Yeah. And I realized that so you that can't just rely on a number. Yeah. yeah. So that and then it's the pronounce. So and then Friday, Thursday, Saturday, it's actually Friday night. I, I put my, my uh, player notes together information um with the try scored maybe a little bit of information on where they've been that's all extra stuff you need to be able to identify and pronounce that first before you say they've scored five tries they've scored six tries oh they Mm -hmm. used to play for cork con like cool relevance but the most relevant thing is you say the player's name correctly and who's got the ball primary right and pronounce their names correctly so that's that's monday to friday basically in a nutshell i'll also go through especially with uh, port- Portu- Portuguese players is the hardest thing I've tried to learn to pronounce yet. Okay. But with things like that, like when I'm walking the dog on a Thursday, Friday night, I'll be going through the names like this, <laughs> going through them, <laughs> 1 to 23. Mm. And that's actually how my Saturday morning starts as well. It's 46 names, and I'll just go through them, go through them, go through them, go through them, go through them. When I'm driving to the game, I'm a little bit superstitious. I have to go through each team three times, make no mistakes before yep. I get out of that car. And the first thing I do is when 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 I get to the ground, I go check with the with the coaches, mm-hmm. and I say, "Can I read out your players one to twenty three without looking?" And you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. And that's what I do. I'll give you an example of why identification is so important. Yeah. Right? As a lead commentator, you take a big responsibility. I take this responsibility in that I'm there for the families and the players and I will not make a mistake on their name and I will not mix up play ID. It does obviously happen. I do make mistakes, but that's like my ultimate kind of goal. And particularly at AIL level and even at Rugby Europe level, identification is so important because you have not watched these players before. Maybe some of them you have, but for example, there's for the city of Omar, this game I did two weeks ago, they have two locks. They both wear scrum caps. They both have uh, tape around their legs. The only way you can tell the difference is the one scrum cap has like green kind of string, which you can't really sometimes make out on the footage. And he has Adidas. He has black boots. They both have black boots, but the one guy has like a Adidas logo. Um, <laughs> okay, that's I'm forgetting really his name is John, John Glasgow yeah. and... I think it was McKinley. I hope I'm not getting this wrong because I'm I'm out of that zone now. But the thing is, right? Cool. The reason why it's important to know that is because their numbers switch four and five. Right. And it's very easy for a commentator to say it's not my fault because they switched the number. Yeah. My opinion, incorrect attitude. Total incorrect attitude because you should know what the players look like. Okay. And it's particularly important as well in remote commentary because a lot of the time you get a you get a wide shot. So you're not getting a close-up. So you have to rely on things. I know what Bootsy wears, right? Yeah. So you can go back and look at some of my commentary where the angle was wide shot. But I'm still able to get the players' names correctly because I know what they look like. I know what their running style is like. I know the one guy might have a scrum cap. So I'm pinpoint. But that is – I'm not saying everyone has to do it, but that that for me is what I'm after. I'm after – I want to be immediate. I want to be objective. I want to be accurate. And the mm-hmm. only way you can do that is through PPI, preparation, pronunciation, identification. You need to do that. Otherwise, for me, if I don't do that, I should not be commentating. Well, that's a very high standard that you're trying to reach for even at this early point in your career. And it'll only hold to you, I suppose, in years to come. You can hear it in your commentary, actually. 
I, for example, my wife is Polish, right? So you can imagine Polish names are, can be quite difficult on any month of Sundays. And even for somebody like me who ba- has a basic understanding of the way the language is done and the pronunciations, I still mess up. Or I still have to take, you know, a couple of seconds to read or either listen. But um, you seem to be able to nail that pretty well. This is why I, w- I guess I wanted to talk to you more even about the rugby today because it was kind of looking into the style, the way you manage it, the difficulties, you've really addressed them in a very good way in terms that you're strict with yourself, which I think is the most important thing. Very, very strict with myself. Mm. Um, is that, hold on, is that your South African upbringing by any chance? No, it isn't. Like the reason why I'm like that is because yeah. I want to be on the world feed one day for right. rugby commentary. So it's pure ambition. And for me, the only way I'm going to get there yeah. is if I have this discipline throughout. Yeah, I get that. Like yeah. I, I need to show that this is what I can do. I can be immediate, accurate, objective to do a professional job. It's the same thing with the St. Michael's Bowl video game I did for the Insta schools. Like I knew it was going to be an issue to get information, to get play identification. So I started 10 days before because I know a coach might reply three days later. And I I don't want to pitch up at a game and say the coach didn't give me the team sheet. I was about to say that. That would be very lazy. Yeah. No, like if... That means you didn't try hard enough. Yeah. A few times coaches might be very reluctant, but yeah. if you ask in the correct way, if they say no, you can go to somewhere else. So I've always given myself enough time. And I always say, I always joke with them and they always say, don't share, it's confidential. I say, look here, look here, mate, it's safer with me than you. Probably. I promise you, I promise <laughs> exactly. you now. So yeah, that, it doesn't really come from like, maybe to an extent I was like that with my studies, but for me, this is my dream. I'm very proud of what mm. I do. Very, very proud of what I do. And for me, like, I just don't want to make a mistake. And it just goes back to the reason, sorry, my ultimate goal is, you know, to make the players and the families, the fans come probably third, but the players and the families, if they're happy with the way I said the player's name when he scored the try, when he touched the ball, when he assisted, when he made a take in the line on, I said it correctly. And... The only way you can do that is by getting a voice note. Sometimes management are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, you might find this interesting. So I, I commentated on the Iberians in the Super Cup. They're a Spanish-based side. But about half their team are born from around the world. Mm-hmm. So if you get a voice note from a Spanish guy, he's going to get he's the Argentine. Give you a different so then what version. I would do there is I'll yeah. go to the next yeah. level. I'm like, I'm, so yeah. the only way you can really be sure is by reaching out to the players. Yeah. So some of the players I'll reach out to on Instagram. I say, please drop me a voice note. <laughs> yeah. I want to yeah. say your name correctly. Yeah. So that is the detail I do go I, I do go to. There was a comment by, uh, what's his first name? It's something, bro, if he's... Got verified on Twitter anyway, but he went through my highlights and there, there's the name Fogarty or Fogarty, which one is it? Um, but obviously, right, if I'm getting a voice note from, let's just say it was St. Mary's, right? Um, it's an Irish team. I won't go out to every single player. Sure, and yeah, ask, of course. But if the name is slightly different yeah. or if it's a foreign name, for example, for there was a player for UCC, a Spanish guy, Ignacy Rodriguez. The, the guy from from UCC will just say Ignacy Rodriguez. Of course, yeah. yeah. But I want to say it the way he wants to say it, right? Yeah. I don't want to anglicize it. And right? you know the funny thing is, like that sometimes can work against you because people can say, oh, you know, this Justin guy's just being a bit of a smart arse. He's trying to, you know, really bring it up. But I think the vast majority of fans really appreciate that. Yeah, and it's also at the end of the day, like m- maybe most of the fans will think you're getting it wrong, but but my whole oh, thing yeah. comes back to you at the end of the day. As you said, I'm there it for the matter. family and the yes. family, friends, yeah. and the players. Yeah, they they are the show number me the one. proof that it's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So like I'm, I'm I've worked it out. Like we yeah. had an interesting conversation with my Portuguese friend, um, who helps me with some of the pronunciations, and he says, Justin, what are you going to do one day when there's there's three Ferreras playing for Portugal. So the South African Ferrer. So he had this whole argument. Like I said to him, there's a South African guy, Ferreira. He went to school in Cape Town, <laughs> went to Paul Boys, played for Western Province. And in South Africa, we say Ferreira. Mm-hmm. Okay. Same as here. You, you say it here as well. Mm. So I asked, asked him, he's no, he's like, I'm, I'm going to mess up the pronunciation now, but it was like Ferreira or something. Okay. And he's like, no, that's the way you say it, where you said. I'm like, Francisco? I'm going to voice note Sebastian Ferreira. He played for yeah. Germany number six on Sunday. Nice. I'm going to voice note him and ask him, how does he want his name to be said? Comes back, 
in a South African accent, Sebastian Ferreira. <laughs> so I tell Francisco this and I'm like, okay, then he's like, Justin, what are you going to do one day when you have a Portuguese Ferreira, you have a Spanish Ferreira and you have a uh, German Ferreira, you have a South African Ferreira. And I said, no, I'll say it in the way they want to say it. And he's like, yeah, but then you're going to have fans just saying, why is he saying different things? And I said, but I get what you're saying, Francisco, but my goal is to be there for the friends and family and the players. So that is why I always go that route. Solid advice, Justin. Come here, listen, we've run out of time here. Before I let you go, I have to ask you a quick question. What are you reading, listening to, or watching at the moment? Because obviously, so I have my day job and rugby's Mm. kind of on the side. My days are naturally quite filled up. So most of the time I'm reading about rugby. I do read a lot of news. Mm -hmm. Um, Over the last two or three months, I haven't read many books because I've just had a new addition to my family. So I've read one or two baby, baby books. Yep. Um, at the moment, I'm actually listening to a lot of live music on YouTube. I love my live music, even my 80s, my 90s. Um, more recently, like the Kithers, that live stuff. I love mm-hmm. my music. There's, I just love the sense that they, you know, you can almost to an extent compare it a little bit to commentary because they prepare for the gig and you can just see the love with which they, you know, they're just happy to be on stage and mm-hmm. singing and the fans are having a good time and there's something immediate about it as sure. well. So at the moment, you know, that's where there was actually what I watched recently and I'm probably going to get the title wrong because I watched it about a month ago. I think it's called Nothing is Impossible. It's about the guy who does uh, the seven peaks. He climbs the seven peaks. Uh, yeah, I've seen that being advertised. Um, yeah, I think you're right with peaks. the name. Yeah. And he keeps speaking about Everest. He wanted to do like over the course of six months, climb seven peaks. Wow. And then I just I watched that recently and I thought, hmm, that's quite a good uh, analogy. And I've just come up with the thing, well, my Everest is to um, commentate on the world feed at, at the Viva Stadium one day. And that's what I'm after. Might take five years, might take 10 years, could take 15. But that's, that's where I want to go. My commentating hero is myself in ten years when I do that, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm after. And you know, the great thing is your voice is going to mature and get better as you get older. So you can probably <laughs> yeah. do this into your eighties. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. where can people find you? Are you on Twitter and stuff like that? So I'm. I'm on mainly on Twitter and mm-hmm. Instagram. So my Instagram handle is Rugby Broadcaster, mm-hmm. and my Twitter handle is also Rugby Broadcaster. But there's no. A in it because Twitter only <laughs> gives you like a certain amount of characters, bizarre, but they're changing the Twitter characters yeah. to what is it, like 4,000? I think so. If, um, as long as you're a premium member and pay your money to Yeah, but I don't, I don't even think you can get the premium yeah. stuff in Ireland. So, yeah, that's that's where my life is at, at the moment. So, Brilliant. Um, it's been really nice having you today. I know we set out to talk about a few other things, but I think we did really cover some really interesting ground. And I think you've been you've set out some really good advice for anybody out there. And I'm sure there's loads of kids out there, boys and girls who are aspiring to do this. The technology is allowing people to be more flexible. You don't have to be on site anymore. Your quality is really, really good. We're sitting here in old Wesley rugby grounds here with, you know, probably as good technology as you would get in anywhere else. So it just shows you, you know, that the opportunities are there, you would agree. Exactly. Justin, thanks a million for taking the time to talk to me today. And thanks a million to everybody out there for listening to The Comfortable Spot. We'll be back here real soon. So take care, y'all. Bye-bye. (laughs) 